Marsha Montenegro back for part two. Stay tuned. Truth be told, Hosea 46 podcast. All right, what's happening? What's happening? It's your boy Trevor Trey back for another episode. Talking again with the one and only Marsha, 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 Marsha Montenegro. <laughs> she is back. Part two. We're gonna be talking a little bit of astronomy, astrology. Let me get it straight. Astrology. And we're also gonna be talking. If you followed our podcast, I wanted to make sure it was okay with her. Um but if you follow our podcast, I did say that we'll talk a little bit about how to spot new age occultism inside the church. And so she's going to be talking about two bullet points that are very important. And uh, so we actually if you guys follow us on our social media pages, especially Instagram, we have a good presence on Instagram. Uh, you can follow us at TBT Hosea 46. Again, that's TBT as Tom Beta Tom Hosea 46. Uh, you find us on Instagram. Uh, we were asking people some questions about uh, the Enneagram and did they take it and should Christians take it? And so we had some surprising results and we're not judgmental. We'll we mm-hmm. get in right in and ask questions and, you know, just want to engage. And so, um, you know, Marsha actually has a book out on the Enneagram and all that details you want to know and the importance behind understanding what goes into play with that. She is the one to talk to. But before that, we had some questions about astrology. Marsha, welcome back. Hello. Thank you so much for having me back, Trevor. It's great. Oh, I, I had to get you back. You know, I sounds like you know, I got some questions still and I know. I, you told me, like, I got more questions. <laughs> you know, when we got to, we got to talk and I was like, and I started listening. I, I'll listen to, because uh, I run a warehouse full time. And so sometimes, you know, and I'm in the back working and uh, anybody that knows warehouse, you know, whatever it is outside, it's going to be inside. And, you know, living in the mid Atlantic, the South, uh, you know that humidity is oh it is unbearable at times it's, it is, it's been bad it's it has been, been. They, they, they're talking about here well i'm mad it's going to be like that all the way to the end of september what they're predicting oh no oh, <laughs> was, oh the end of september it's crazy yeah i was out uh, my headquarters is in uh nashville tennessee and uh, i was talking to my boss and i was like dude i said it doesn't stop cooling off here until october Literally, you can wear shorts and, you know, flip flops all the way prior to the end because that humidity is just terrible. I mean, there's times in December where it will reach 70 degrees just sporadically, you know. Yeah. Are you in? I thought you were in Richmond. Are you we in- are. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's just that that humidity here is just I, I was listening to the news. I was sharing some people at work and I was like, you know, they actually said Richmond can produce their own storms. Boy. <laughs> I was like, what? And then he said it again. Um, <laughs> if you all are in Richmond, you guys know Channel 12 News. Um, 
So, but anyways, he was saying, uh, one of the meteorologists was saying that uh, because of the concrete in the city and uh, a lot of the uh, AC units, uh, and air conditioned units, when they be going, it's like kaboom in the sky. Wow. Right. Well, I'm, uh, I'm uh, like 90 miles north of you. Okay. Okay. Up in I'm Nova. In, I'm in Northern. I'm in that other state called Northern Virginia. Oh, yeah. That's what we call it. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, <laughs> you know, we call it that. I, 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 I not fool with Northern. And I have family in Northern I don't fool with it because the traffic. Oh, I know. Let me tell y'all, if y'all go to Northern Virginia, D.C., Maryland, they call it DMV, which is D.C., Maryland, Virginia. That traffic is off the chain. I don't want no parts to deal with. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> it really is horrible. <laughs> you know, and it, I mean, the, the the shopping's great. You know, uh, the cherry blossoms in uh, D.C. Are, are beautiful. And the museums. Um, and- museums, right. Is uh, you know, but the traffic, uh-uh, don't, I'm good down 95, couple hours south, down <laughs> 95, Richmond traffic is, is okay. You know, that's bearable. <laughs> but anyways, Marsha, I want to ask you, we were talking, um, you mentioned the union psychologists. Oh, yes. Tell me a little bit. Tell me a little bit more detail about the union psychologists. What are they different from regular psychologists? Do they okay. incorporate more astrology in their practice? Can you detail that a little bit more for me? Sure. Um, yes, I was referring to Carl Jung, who was a psycho psychologist, psychotherapist who studied initially under Freud. He and Freud had a parting of the ways and Jung went his own way and kind of formulated his own practice and way of doing things. Now, Jung had very strong uh, spiritual interests. And so his psychology is kind of infused with that you know i actually consider him somebody whose psychology is more spiritual than psychological uh, because he incorporated so many of his ideas like he was very interested in paganism and in the occult he allegedly had a spirit guide named philemon um if anybody wants to get an idea of where jung's head was check out his book seven seven deadly i think seven deadly sermons or no i'm sorry (laughs) seven sermons to the dead oh wow um it's a very i I don't really recommend reading it but just kind of read a few paragraphs you can probably read part of it you know online um it's very chilling Hmm. um it will make the hair stand up on your neck uh so he was into some very deep occult stuff he was interested in astrology because he formulated this idea of archetypes and the archetypes are um ideas that we aspire to and all of us have these archetypes in our unconscious he believed in the collective unconscious mankind shares an unconscious You know, all of humanity throughout all time shares this unconscious. And so we all share these archetypes and the archetypes are like the mother, the hero, the maiden, you know, I I don't really know officially all of them, but that that's kind of the idea. 
And actually, uh, George Lucas, uh, who makes the Star Wars films, was very influenced by Joseph Campbell, and Joseph Campbell was a follower of Jungian ideas. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what Joseph Campbell uh, wrote about was based on Jung's ideas, and George Lucas got it from Joseph Campbell. So some of the figures in Star Wars represent some Jungian ideas, such as when uh, uh, the hero is standing across from Luke Skywalker, standing across from Darth Vader, who's his father. And he's, you know, looking, it's like looking at the shadow side or the dark side, that kind of thing. The shadow side all comes from Jung. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Jung had a big influence on astrology because he used astrology or referred to it in connection with his archetypes. And those ideas got in when psychology started influencing astrology in the late 1800s and the early 20th century, those Jungian ideas got into astrology um, and they became part really of contemporary astrology for a lot of astrologers. So when I was reading astrology books and, and doing astrology, I would come across books written by psychologists who were also, they were union psychologists and they mm-hmm. also did astrology. So that's how there, that's how there came to be this connection. And so a lot of astrology is interpreted with this union worldview, like the, sh- the shadow side, the polarities, the archetypes, the collective unconscious, like astrologers see the outer three planets, um, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, although Pluto officially isn't a planet anymore, but mm-hmm. I think astro- most astrologers still use it as a planet. Those are like planets of the collective unconscious. Right. And so that's partly, or that's really how Jung came to be connected to astrology and, and an influence on it. Now, not every astrologer is necessarily, you know, influenced by Jung or, or, or doing their interpretation that way, but a lot of them are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was one of them. Okay. That's, 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 um, that's interesting. Do you, do you think psychologists are still using that method today or? Yeah. Oh, use Jung. Actually, I think he fell out of favor several decades ago. Okay. Uh, he fell out of favor. It was discovered that some of his uh, so-called studies that supposedly supported his ideas were not really done uh, correctly. And um, a lot of flaws were found with his method. Mm -hmm. And as far as I know, most psychology today or most psychologists are not using Jungian ideas except for New Agers. Okay. New Agers love Carl Jung. And so when you, you often will find, if you find somebody who's a Jungian psychologist, it is not too unusual to find they are somehow involved in the new age. Mm-hmm. This, this is something I've discovered. Uh, and, and they're called depth psychologists. Or if they're not involved in the new age, they're involved in some other kind of spiritual, non-Christian spirituality. Uh, for example, Richard War is a follower of Carl Jung. Oh, wow. 
And mm-hmm. David Benner, who's a perennialist and teaches at Rohr's School, is a depth psychologist. So um, I have articles on David Benner. Uh, we can't really get into him this today. May get me on again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we probably do. <laughs> um, I can get into that and into perennialism. Um, and he's a perennialist, but he's a depth psychologist into Jung. Uh, and he and Rohr are pretty much on the same page in many ways. Mm-hmm. So Jung, Jung was into some dark occult stuff. Yes. And, yes. Okay. Got yeah. you. And so they, they're probably got the residuals between yeah. those two. Got yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let me um I wanted to ask you, did you know like world leaders? I recently found out I have his book on my shelf. I should have grabbed it. Um I didn't know Hitler kept around astrologers. Hitler consulted. Oh yes. Yes. Can you think about that. Oh, yes, he did did have an astrologer, more than one. Um, There is a very, very good book I highly recommend um, because there's a few books that have been written about Hitler and his interest Mm -hmm. in the occult. And they haven't really been that, as far as I know, that scholarly or that widely recognized as being, you know, the book to read. But there was one that came out a couple of years ago. It's called, I think it's called, Oh, I'm going to try to remember the name. <laughs> I think it's called Hitler's Monsters. That's it. I'm, I was getting ready to go to my is show. That, is that the book you're referring to? Right. He's a historian that wrote that yeah. book. Yeah. Right. Yes, yes ma'am. Very yes. well re- researched. Right. Uh, footnotes. A thick book. Yeah. Yeah. It's an excellent. I read a review of it in mm-hmm. the New York Times or something. And I thought, I've got to get this book. And mm-hmm. I, I got it and I read it. It's it's fascinating. I did know before that that Hitler was into astrology. There actually had been, um, even before Hitler was on the scene, there was a neo-pagan revival in Germany because there was a movement to go back to their, what they called their roots mm-hmm. and go back to the, the pagan religions with the pagan gods. And this movement started, I think, in the 1920s in Germany. Um, and then it was growing in, in, in the 1930s. That's when Hitler came on the scene. Um, Hitler got caught up in it to a certain degree. But he, he himself, although he supposedly read a book on magic, I don't think he himself actually practiced anything in the occult, but he had people around him who did. Mm-hmm. And he took advice from them. And he, yeah, he took advice from astrologers. There was one astrologer, though, that he got mad at. And the astrologer was hunted down. I can't remember the story now. Oh, wow. So, you know, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you didn't say things that Hitler liked, you were in trouble. But um, yeah, he he did use they had people into the occult who were officially part of Hitler's government. Right. Yeah. And I'm and I'm certain he wasn't, you know, he's not wasn't the past world ruler of current era, you know. Right, right. That used astrology. Right. Uh, yeah. No, I uh, Reagan, well Nancy Reagan is kind of famous for Right. I was getting ready to Yeah. Yeah, and I and I, and I guess uh, I they would never admit it, but I'm sure that Reagan was too because they both had been in Hollywood. Yeah. And you tend to find in Hollywood or among show business people or people in the arts, 
you tend to find them very open to things like astrology and the mm. new age. So it's not too surprising that they probably picked that up when they were in Hollywood in, mm. the, in the movie business. And Nancy Reagan was actively consulting an astrologer. Her name was uh, Joan Quigley. Oh, wow. Um, I had her autobiography one time or biography, but I never got around to reading it. Um, you said Joan Quigley? Joan Quigley. I'm pretty sure that was her, either Joanne or Joan Quigley. That was and, her name. Okay. And um, yeah, and I think that other world leaders, uh, you know, I don't know specifically, I can't think of any, but I wouldn't be surprised if some did have astrologers. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't either. I'm, I'm itching. I don't know if, do you, do you have Mitch, I think his name is Mitch Horowitz's book called Occult America? Yeah, I read that too. And I, <laughs> I told you, man, you kind of like because I got to sit over here. <laughs> and um, you know, I you know, hearing stuff about you know certain American political figures, seances, astrologists, yeah. I'm like, whoa, you know, you know what I'm a saying? book, a book that's even gives even more information than that. Oh, it's very long; it's like 500 pages. But oh, I don't mind. <laughs> It's even better than that is the Republic of Mind and Spirit. Republic of Mind and Spirit. Let me write yeah, it Yeah, by um, Catherine Albanese, A-L-B-A-N-E-S-E. She is a scholar um, it's, and a historian, um, very detailed. She goes all the way back to like the 15th century and starts talking about the roots of, of metaphysical religions. The uh, subtitle of the book, I think, is um, A History of Metaphysical Religions in the United, in the United States. Okay. And she, and the Republic of Mind and Spirit is a phrase that comes from a spiritualist. Um, and she goes through the history starting there. She goes into the colonial times, what was going on. Uh, the American Revolutionary Times, the, mm. um, you know, she goes through the whole stages up to the present. Um, and her most interesting chapters are on spiritualism and the beginning of New Thought Movement yeah. in the 1800s and the 1900s. She, I learned so much from reading her book. I, I really, there was a lot I did not, that I didn't know I didn't know <laughs> until I read her wow. book. Um, and as some of it, I, I knew a little bit, like I knew spiritualism and new thought had sort of been combined when new thought was beginning. I knew that it was somehow connected to spiritualism mm -hmm. um, or talking to the dead, but I didn't realize how much it was. It actually came out of that movement. So early P early new thought leaders were, were also involved in talking to the dead. You, and there's another book. I don't know. Uh, it's called a different gospel. Um, oh yeah. By McConnell. Yeah. I, I didn't read that. I, I had it for a long time and I didn't read it because that area is really not my area. And then if I was going to read about that, I would read Rob Bowman's book, um, mm -hmm. the word faith controversy. I don't okay. Know about that book? That's probably the book I would read first because I think, from what I know, it it tells more of the story. Okay. But um, yeah, I know that there's a new thought angle in that book, a different gospel, but I just never got to it. I mean, I said that's not my area, but I what I mean is the word of faith stuff is right, right, I, not I, your I forte. Yeah. yeah, but the new thought movement. Yeah, I do deal with it, and and I and I would have liked to have read it, but I just you know sometimes. 
I mean, you can read all the books you want to read. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I mean, shoot. I, my my dad on office now is just kind of like, you know, I had to take a step back from Amazon a little bit. So. Uh, I, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? See, and it, I'm it you know, right now. I'm reading this right now. This long, detailed book, Roots of Yoga. Oh, wow. Recommended to me by a woman who was a yoga teacher for 35 years and is now a Christian. Okay. And her husband's like an expert on this. And this is the book to read. And it's very scholarly. They draw from all the different ancient yoga texts mm-hmm. and um, even in other languages. And they had translators for some of them. Some of the languages, the authors speak themselves. Yeah. And they're both yoga. They're not against yoga. So they're giving the real history here. It's very, very interesting. You know, it's uh, I mean, I, I tell people I've been on both sides of the, you know, pers- uh, perspective when it comes to the Bible, both liberal and conservative, because I went to a uh, community college here in, um, in Ch- I live in the Richmond area. And so I took a lot of religious classes. And when I transferred into Liberty, I thought everybody thought about the Bible that way. And it was like, no, you got to take a lot of those classes. Oh, some self transferred, but they was, and I was like, dang, you know, I didn't know all this. But when I was at the community college, one class, we had to go to a house of worship that was not of our faith. And so I was in a group with four others and uh, we chose a Hindu temple here in the Richmond area, beautiful edifice. And you know, I was still in the world doing my thing. I just, I was always been a religion and history buff is my thing. Yeah. And I was always hesitant. I used to be in bodybuilding a lot. I used to, that's my testimony about God delivering me from that. Um, taking steroids, all of that stuff, uh, just crazy alcohol, all of that stuff, women and, you know, boom, seeing, I mean, literally seeing demons and my mom could tell you, I mean, right. hearing them, all types of stuff, but deliver me because I was involved with a, a female that that um she was um following Shintoism. Oh, so, oh, wow. Right. Wow. So, you know, I uh yeah. not being in the faith, you know, it's going to rub off. Anyways, so right. I went to this temple and I was like, I was always hesitant to do yoga. I didn't even know much about it. But then we went there in a in the I guess the sanctuary part. They had all these different statues of the gods. And then the people would hit them poses, you know, like yoga in front of the statues. Oh, that's interesting. Right. So I, I was just like, yeah, you know, it's kind of showing itself. Crazy part was was uh, we talked to the head priest and he said, no, we're monotheistic. Yeah, yeah. And that's the we were like, what? So we went back and told the professor, and he was kind of scratching his head, was like, Well, for the test, they're polytheistic, but you know, that's just my little encounter with yoga as far as why I did not do it. But I think they believe, you know, there's this one, the ultimate God Brian, but he takes different forms. Okay, like Avatar. So all the different gods are different kind of forms. Yeah. Of Brahman, although they're presented as though they're separate, you know, right. so I've heard that. Yeah, it's technically monotheistic, but in practice, it's polytheistic. Polytheistic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let me um, I'm going to ask you maybe one or two more questions. It will will slide. Let me uh, if. If we have somebody listening now that's an astrologist and they're trying to get away from it. 
what advice would you give to him? Okay. And let me say it is very hard to get away from because I have received many messages or emails from um, people who were astrologers and became Christians and are having a hard time letting go of astrology. Mm. It's very addictive because it seems to explain things to you. And if you start thinking in those terms, it, your, your mind just kind of falls into that pattern. And it's hard to undo that. Mm. Um, I mean, I, of course, if somebody's listening and they're in it and, and they don't know Christ, I mean, my first advice is that you need to, you need to look into Jesus Christ and who he is. Amen. What he did on the cross because you won't ever get free of astrology except through Christ. You can't, you can't get out of it on your own. You're going to need uh, faith in Christ so that you can be transformed and regenerated. And then, you know, with God's help, you can get away from it. But you have to get rid of all your astrology books, astrology charts, if you have them. Don't read anything in a magazine or online about astrology. You know, don't fall for your curiosity about it. Just you just have to say no, you know, kind of like an alcoholic, you know, no, no alcohol. So no astrology at all. Um, and uh, really, you, again, and if you're a Christian and you're having trouble, so my advice is a little different because then I, you know, I ask the person if they're in a good church. I ask them if they're reading God's word every day. Are they in a Bible study? Do they have people praying for them? So those are the kind of things I suggest to a Christian, um, because sometimes they haven't told anybody this, they're embarrassed or something, uh, but they should at least have one person they can tell who will be like a prayer partner and they can pray together once a week and then they can be accountable to this person mm -hmm. um, and study the Bible because God's word and God's word is their spiritual food. And if we're not reading and studying it you know we're spiritually starving amen you know in a sense so i always advise that um and i also you know want to reinforce the the fact that astrology is not accurate and it's not giving you it's not really giving you information that you think it's giving you mm -hmm. it's it's can't tell you who you are it can't it can't because it's a bunch of planets in the sky <laughs> that are moving right. around. They don't have any message for you. They're just planets. And um, the zodiac signs are just zodiac signs. They're names of constellations. And there's no meaning there. There's no inherent meaning. So any meaning there has been put into it. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it comes from man, not from God. So you're getting, you're just getting information that's not accurate. That's not going to be helpful in the long run. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the kind of thing I would say. Okay. Let me, I'm going to give you these two questions and okay. you can take it in whichever order you like. And then we'll, okay. this, I'll let, we'll conclude astrology with this and then uh, move on. How do you witness to an astrologist or someone who adheres to the practice? Um, and then what is your advice to churches on discipling an individual who has left astrology or, or oh, the occult? Okay. okay. 
All right. Um, I would say if you're talking to someone interested um, or into astrology that you try to talk, that you try to ask them what their spiritual beliefs are. Mm-hmm. Um, do they believe in a God? If, if they do, who is God? You know, is God personal? Is he a force? Does God love them? You know, I would try to get some information on their beliefs because otherwise it's going to be hard to, to say anything that's relevant to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would go from there. You know, I would point out that the, 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 the planets and the stars are evidence of a creator. Mm-hmm. And that's one reason they're there. Well, and the Bible says they were given to us for light and for measuring time. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we know for centuries that sailors have used stars to, you know, for orientation to guide them on right. the seas. So God had practical reasons for giving us the stars and the planets, but they also they are also witnesses to a creator God. Mm-hmm. So I would probably start the conversation that way. Yeah. And then just, then you just have to kind of see where it goes from there. Um, if they say things like, but it really uh, defines who I am, it's really accurate. Then you can say, well, you know, there's psychological factors that work like confirmation bias that make you think what you're reading is you, but actually they've done, experiments where they give people descriptions of who they are and everybody said oh yeah that's me and then it turns out they gave everyone the same description you know so <laughs> like i could write out a description uh from the the a, a magazine about taurus or something and i could print it out and give it to 30 people and probably most of them would think that was them because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we try we try to identify with things Right. Um, so I would try to focus on the inaccuracy. That's not scientific. Uh, it points to a creator, that kind of thing. Um, now, as far as like discipling people coming out of astrology or the occult, I think definitely that needs to be taken into account because these people have come from a worldview that's completely different, not mm. just different from Christianity, but it's different from the regular secular view of the world. Right. So they're not even in the secular worldview. I mean, of course, if they become a Christian. Hopefully some of that has changed, but it doesn't go away overnight. Mm-hmm. So um, I think pe- the people in the church who are disciples need to realize it do- doesn't go away overnight. Show them the relevant passages in scripture that speak to the occult, like Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 14. Um, I, at the end of Isaiah, or actually the whole chapter of Isaiah 47 is God's judgment on Babylon for using sorcery. Astrology is mentioned at the end. And there are other passages that speak to that and that speak to divination because astrology is a form of divination. Mm-hmm. This is something God completely condemns. So I think one of the first things would be would be to show them those passages. If they, right. they don't know them. Right. And then God's word can speak to them um, and then be very, very patient with them and um, pray with them. If they're having trouble getting away from this, you know, pray with them, find someone in the church to pray with them. Um, and they need to be in a good Bible study. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. I, agree. I I like that. I really I really do. Um, because like like you touched on. 
our last episode, uh, there's pastors coming to you and saying they don't know what to do because, you know, focus now is all about feel good messages. Yeah. And, you know, the occult is, I mean, it's broad, the cult, C-U-T. I mean, so many people are involved with it directly and indirectly, you know, that when they do leave, you know, or, or have that moment where they feel like God is pulling them out, like this isn't for me, stuff is getting crazy. You know, they want to come to the church and we need answers. You right, know? right. And it that's what prepare to talk to right. these people. Yeah. Right. And not and not treat them like they're freaks or like they're like they were crazy or they were stupid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause I found when I was coming out of the new age in certain churches, I heard people making fun of the new age and making fun of new agers. Mm. I actually saw a skit in a church where they were, they, it was a presentation of dialoguing with people with different um, beliefs. And they had somebody talk to someone who was playing the role of a Jehovah's witness mm. and had someone talk to someone who was playing the role of a Mormon and then when they did the new ager, it was like everybody was laughing. And I was so upset about it. I went up and told the people afterwards how upset I was. I was a very, very new Christian, but mm-hmm. I was kind of shocked. And I said, you know, it's a new age. It's nothing to laugh at. And, it, and it's not that people in the new age are stupid. You know, um, they, they, there tends to be this attitude sometimes in the church that, if you believe in reincarnation or you believe in having a spirit guide or you believe in casting spells that you must not be very intelligent. Mm -hmm. And actually there's a lot of intelligent people involved in the new age and the occult because intelligence has nothing to do with it. You know, it's a spiritual deception, not a mental deception. Mm -hmm. And you can be extremely smart and be involved in these things. Now I, I'm not a genius or anything, but I graduated from college with high honors. I had, you know, good grades. I'm, I'm reasonably smart. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm not super high intelligence, but <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm reasonably intelligent. And right. my, I was the same when I was involved in astrology. I was just as intelligent as I am now. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not a matter of intelligence. It really isn't. And that's a very important thing for Christians to realize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, wait a minute. OK, <laughs> get your voice back. <laughs> there we go. Going down the wrong pipe. I remember J.P. Moreland um, in his book, Love Your God, Love God with All Your Mind. He made a comment about the exclusivity of the church. And what I mean by that is we're not making space for people with other talents that could benefit from the church, like doctors, engineers, uh-huh. and we make fun of them. You uh-huh. know, um, uh-huh. it was really, it's a really good piece in his book that he talks about, about that. Um, uh-huh. You know, yeah, there's sort of an anti-intellectualism right. sometimes in the church. There's, right. Uh, there's that. And it's harmful. Yeah, it's very harmful. Very harmful. Very I, harmful. I agree because you need you need people on staff in your church. I argue this all the time. You need people. I'm, I had an interview with a church here in Richmond actually for a um, internship. And they asked me why I went to the school that I went to, because here in Richmond, the big pool of schools for seminary are all liberal. Yeah. It's not borderline. I went to a conservative school. 
And so um, I said, well, you got to deal with the person. And what I was studying, what I meant to was the occult, UFO, all of that stuff. And from apologetic standpoint, right, because of my past experiences. And I said, you have to you have to have somebody on staff that knows how to talk to the person that's right. going to come to you and say something was in my room last night. Yeah, right. You know, right. or I had these experiences. I, I, I left my body last night. Right. You know, y'all, you know, you can't just say, well, that's the devil. That's a demon. And then right. yeah, alone. Yeah, you can't know that's the right. It's right. That's what you know what I'm saying. You can't yeah, tell yeah. an astrologist, oh well, that's demonic. Just stop it. No, yeah. like I told, I tell everybody, I see it as a as a warehouse manager and distribution manager. I've been. We're very systematic. We need the who, what, when, where, and why to get the job done. We just can't right. have the why. We every right. we need the five W's. Okay, and so younger generations, you can't tell them anymore. That's demonic. They're going to ask you, well, why is it demonic? Right. Yeah. And then they're yeah. going to say, well, that's your point of view. Right. right? You right. know, and you better exactly. hope they don't pull out some, some historical resource and say, well, you know, when other countries conquered other countries, they just turned their gods into demons. And yeah. then you have to be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you have to that's that whole anti-intellectualism that is very dangerous to the church. And Moreland points that out in his book. He talks about there was a point in time the pastor was looked at as one of the most intellectual people in a community. Right. Exactly. That's very true. That is very true. Yeah. And so you need kind of lost. Right. It has it has it has been lost. And I mean, if let's say if if you don't have time or if you're an older pastor, get somebody on your staff. You don't have to pay them. Get somebody on your staff that knows how to deal with that, that can actually talk with people that are coming out of these experiences because this stuff is broad. I think they were reporting Marsha last year when COVID hit that a lot of witch COVID spiked the numbers. Yes. Yes. The interest in witchcraft has gone up dramatically. Yeah. It was already beginning to go up uh, with the millennials. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there was an interest with the millennials and psychics and witchcraft and it was getting, witchcraft was getting very glamorized. Yeah. And uh, it was already going up. And then when COVID hit, it just, it boomed. Yeah. And all these websites cropped up. Oh, yeah. People who do it and offer services and offer classes and mm-hmm. et cetera. And yes, it, it really, uh, it really expanded quite a bit. Yeah. I was, um, and, and I'll say this my last bit, and then you can tag on it. We'll move on. Um, uh, there we go with that long closed Baptist preaching. <laughs> <laughs> but I was listening to uh, Vice News on YouTube. They did a piece on witches, young witches. And um, uh-huh. one girl, she said, uh, I left that toxic Jesus. Yeah. And so what I do, I share this with several friends. I said, I'm not so much concerned what she's practicing, but I'm concerned as the reason why she left the church to right. go over there. And when I listen to the language, I believe what she was being taught was, you know, the word of faith and right. bad doctrine and theology. And I asked you that right. last episode is I'm really considering, I do think a lot of some of these denominations and what is being taught primes people for the acceptance of some type of occult practice. Yes. And a lot of, um, I mean, when I was an astrologer, I noticed a lot of my clients who were, I had a lot of astrologers, uh, I had a lot of clients who were into witchcraft. 
Oh, wow. Paganism. I had quite a few. And I noticed a lot of them had been in very legalistic churches. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, you know, mm. that was usually legalistic or a dead church. Yeah. So church didn't mean anything or it was very it was rules oriented. And they they were just really like squeezed in by all these rules. Mm. And and, you know, I remember one guy who was very musically talented and his church didn't like his music or something. And he just got very alienated from them Mm -hmm. and left and he got interested in Wicca. Yeah. So that's not always the reason, you know, that's not always why, but there is, that is, that is part of it for some, Um, or maybe they don't go into Wicca. They just go into the new age or the occult. But I just noticed that with a lot of my Wiccan clients, because they would talk, we would talk about their past because that's part of the astrology session. Mm -hmm. Sometimes their religious background would come up. Yeah. And so I, that's where I heard this. Uh, and I think it's true. I think that the, the legalist churches or the churches teaching really bad doctrine, that a lot of people who get into the occult and the new age come from those churches. Yeah. I, you, and you can hear it in the language. That's what I try to key yeah. in. I'm like, okay, let's, let me listen. And you're saying, well, my prayers are being manifested. Yeah, but I'm praying. And so it's kind of like, well, we're not being fully taught about, you know, does God is God obligated to answer prayers now? Because Hebrews 11 towards the end of that chapter, it says that God promised them many things, but he had better for them in the hereafter. So and they didn't see what was promised. Right. right. They and knew the promises, but they did not see them. Right. You know, and yeah. so that's something that to me is kind of like, well, Maybe if you were taught that, would you okay. still go on? I'm just kind of, that's something I'm still kind of chewing on, but I, I right. think something has to be there. Like it's not working over here. Yeah. You know, you're telling me if I'm cleaning the church, if I'm singing in the choir, if I'm doing this X, Y, Z, God has to do that. God doesn't have to do anything. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 435 says you cannot force God's hand. Right. Right. You and know? I've had, I've had, um, Wiccans actually tell me after I, after I became a Christian and I talked to some Wiccans, you know, different places. Um, I was, I, like, I visited witchcraft shops and talked to Mm -hmm. people in the store or the, like the people working there. And I remember this one woman said she, um, she had a boyfriend and her, her mother uh, decided to move and she didn't want to move and she was going to miss the boyfriend. She was so upset and she prayed and prayed and prayed about it you know, for God to stop it. I think she had been raised Catholic. She was in a Catholic church. Mm-hmm. And she prayed and prayed and prayed and they still moved. And she decided, well, God doesn't answer my prayers. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that story also from mm-hmm. others. And so they just turned to say, I like, I, well, I turned to the goddess. Yeah. You know? And so I have heard that same story, not necessarily about a boyfriend, but, but about prayers not being answered. Yeah. And then they, so they turn to something else and it's because they aren't taught what prayer is. Right. They aren't taught prayer isn't some kind of magic thing. There you a go. lot of witches will say spells are the same as prayers. They, they will say, I've seen that many times mm. and it's, that's their concept of prayer. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's not it. A prayer is you communicating with God, you petitioning God, but it's in according to his will because yeah. he, he knows best. He knows when. He knows what, 
and what you want or what you think should happen may not be the best. Yeah. And so, you know, when you have an understanding of right a doctrine about it, you know, then you don't get so upset. My prayer wasn't answered. Mm-hmm. You know? So people will turn to this. Well, look, we got an example in um, first, I think first Samuel 28, isn't it? Isn't that where Saul goes to the medium at Endor? Right. And witch. why is that? It's because God's taken his spirit from Saul. Yep. Samuel is dead. Mm-hmm. The Philistines are coming and mm-hmm. Saul is scared. He doesn't know what to do. Right. So he can't get Samuel and he, and God's not answering him. So he goes to the medium to get an answer. Mm-hmm. And of course, well, God has Samuel come back and rebuke him. Yeah. And the answer isn't a very nice one. He said, why did you wake one. me up? What I told yeah. you before. Yeah. You and die. Tomorrow, you and your sons are going to die. Right. The battlefield. And they did. And then Saul was like taken to a pagan temple as body was taken to a pagan Mm -hmm. temple um so you know we see an example of that in scripture where they want an answer and you're so desperate you turn to the wrong person yeah yeah um okay you know that that i'm gonna say this uh that used to bother me for the longest time for same 20 i was like how in the world could a witch conjure up yeah i don't think i don't think she did I don't, it, and you know, scholars, they would, it's two positions. I, you know, I've, it's obviously yeah. God permitted. And then this may have been a demon, you know? Yeah. Although you, when you, you yeah, I've heard that too, but the yeah. text says it was Samuel. It was Samuel. Yeah. And a demon wouldn't rebuke Saul for disobeying God. Oh no. Uh-uh. <laughs> and he does. Samuel rebukes him for disobeying mm-hmm. uh, because of the Amalekites. Um, Right. And then he gives him, he pronounces a judgment on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, demons don't do that. So, no. you know, to me, those are good reasons to see that it really was Samuel. This was something God did. It was a one-time thing. Yeah. It was something God has power over life and death. So that exactly. God can do that. And he did it for a specific reason for, yeah. for Saul and for us to learn something from it. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, that's how I see it. Amen. Amen. Well, let's give Marsha a round of applause for <laughs> we, we our astrology, there. <laughs> astrology segment. Astrology and beyond. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going we to hit on all this. We're going to hit a lot. All right. So <laughs> um, you deal with new age in the church. And uh, so the two points. Outside and inside. Outside and inside. Okay. Yeah. So the two points you're going to hit on tonight are alternative healing, right? And uh, the Enneagram. Yes, and both of these will make a lot of people mad. (laughs) Oh, no, no. Hey, hey, look, we went to smoke. We've had, trust me, when we got in the pipeline, we're probably going to get kicked off (laughs) Uh, some platforms. Trust me, (laughs) we might get kicked off. Oh, I hope not. But um... it it is, you know... Hey, we found ourselves, we, we glad to be in the company of the apostles when they got, you know, beaten and, and lied on, thrown in jail because yeah. we all about truth. But anyways. Yeah. So I've had a lot of Christians mad at me ever since I started addressing alternative healing in the 1990s. Uh-oh. Um, because I noticed it was kind of, it was getting into the church. Now I know what alternative healing is because that's really big in the new age. And the reason is, is because it's spiritually based. 
It's okay. not based on science or hard data or objective studies or research or testing. That's why it's called alternative. I mm-hmm. mean, that's why it has that name. Yeah. Um, now they've been exploring since 1993, the National Institutes of Health set up a committee to explore a whole bunch of these so-called alternative healing methods. And so far, I think they didn't find any of them. They spent like a million dollars or more of taxpayer money. They didn't find any of them have any kind of efficacy or value. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I could have told them that, say yeah. everybody a million dollars. Because it's based on spiritual beliefs. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can find a physical um, and scientific basis for it, that's one thing. But they had, for example, acupuncture, they never did find a physical basis, a, a solid scientific basis for acupuncture. And they concluded like in 2011, it's really not, can't do what it claims to do. Yeah. And, you know, there's these p- people that have these theories about, I've had people, I discuss this on Facebook a lot. So I've had everybody give every reason to me why, uh, you know, why I'm wrong. Mm. So I, I've heard it all, you know, but there are these theories that it's the nerves. Oh, it has to do with the nerves or it has, but they haven't been able to show that. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, we'll let them show it. If that's, if that is the case, then they're going to be able to figure that out and show it. But they, they didn't, they couldn't find any physical connection. Mm-hmm. Acupuncture is based on the belief in chi, universal force of chi. Okay. which supposedly flows through these cha- invisible channels in your body called meridians. Mm-hmm. And it balances the yin and yang. So you have to get into Taoism here because that's where this comes from. And there is a lot of alternative practices based on Taoism, just on Taoism alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so acupuncture is one of them. Shiatsu is also based on the same ideas. Um, acupressure is based on the same idea. And then there's something new that that got very popular in the culture and unfortunately got into the church um, and into some schools as well called tapping or um, EFT and emotional field therapy, which actually comes from thought field therapy, which was a completely new age arena. Hmm. And EFT tapping is based on a belief that you have this energy, this chi, and you can tap certain areas of your body and it will, it will produce these effects. And it's, it's done mainly for um, people with anxiety or fears mm-hmm. and uh, more than physical things. So, you know, if you're anxious about your job, then you're supposed to sit there and you tap certain thing areas and you say, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm not anxious about my job. I won't be anxious about my job. And you repeat it over and over again. Um, and this is really kind of a form of hypnosis because you're sitting there um, and you're repeating something over and over to yourself. Mm-hmm. You're kind of brainwashing yourself is what you're doing. <laughs> oh, wow. But it's based on completely false beliefs because there is no such thing as chi or the mm-hmm. meridians. Uh, so that's one area that alternative healing has come from. Another area has been yoga and the Hindu belief in chakras right. are the... Uh, usually there's seven points going from the pelvic area to the top of the head, the top of the crown. Really popular today. 
Yeah. And chakras, yeah, used to just be something you'd read about if you were into Hinduism or into yoga. Hmm. But as yoga got more popular, the um, chakras became more well known. Hmm. And then people, of course, it, alternative healing is done in the new age. So they use the idea of chakras in the healing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, you're lying down and uh, they'll place uh, stones that are supposed to have healing power on each of your chakras. So that that that's done in the new age. Is that the type of because sometimes you'll see massage parlors like massage spas yeah. and they'll put the stones on the back. Yeah. Is that, is that yeah, the thing? It's either they're either putting on the chakras or they think there's a healing power in the stones. Usually should should Christians do like, Oh no. Gotcha. If you do that, you are basically signaling the person doing it, that you agree with this idea. Um, I did not know that those stones. Yeah. I I haven't done it, but I've seen it like those hot stones and they'll line them up the, and you just had me thinking. That's why I asked you that chakra. Usually usually done on the chakras. Oh, oh, snap. Yeah. (laughs) Marsha. (laughs) Oh yeah. When that's up on game. Goodies for you. (laughs) Oh no. Spill them goodies. Spill them goodies. I'm I'm, I'm trying to start a fire. Spill them goodies. (laughs) So that's, you know, one area to watch out for. And I'm finding that some Christians actually believe in them. And, you know, there's a Christian woman who started this whole thing called Holy Yoga. Oh, She came out of the New Age. She was trained by New Age yoga teachers. Okay. Now, she says she's a Christian. I'm not going to challenge or doubt that because mm. I honestly, I honestly don't know. I have to accept her word that she's a Christian. She has new age ideas in some of her teachings. Oh, wow. This is from the very beginning when she wrote her book, Holy Yoga. Then I went to her website. I found new age stuff on it. Um, And since then, I've gone and checked her website out every few years. And I'm still Mm. finding new age stuff. She talks about the chakras. She thinks they relate to the. um, uh, What am I trying to say? Like. it's a part of your body, like the thyroid is, is one of them. Like you have different, um, is it lymph nodes or no, it's not lymph nodes. It's something like that. It's like uh, a thing that you have in your body. I can't think of what it is. Uh, don't don't give me lying. She, th- she thinks that it's like, she tries to correlate it to that. But that's not, that's not what they correlate to. Right. Spiritual, you know, they're spiritually based. Mm-hmm. And of course they don't exist, but she talks about them as though they exist. She talks about God imbuing his energy in creation. Mm. That's very problematic. Because oh, yeah. God does not put any, there's nothing outside of God that is God. Everything right. is oh, yeah. God is in God. Right. And so uh, she has very problematic statements. She has uh, links to these people doing guided meditations. And I listened to several of them. One of them refers to the third eye. Okay, that's a chakra right, right. here uh, between the, uh, and the, on the forehead, right above the, uh, between the two eyes. Uh, so I have warned about that. Now that's in the church because uh, she oh, yeah. has trained a lot of people and they go to churches and mm-hmm. train other people in yoga. And people think this is Christian yoga. Yeah. is an oxymoron. So there, that's not really alternative healing, but I wanted to mention the chakras because that is used in alternative healing in some alternative healing. 
um, as is the Taoist beliefs. Um, oh, another one that comes from Taoism is cupping. And when that swimmer who won the gold medal, um, I can't think of his name now, but um, if I said his name, everyone would know who I was talking about. <laughs> he was like very, very famous there. And he still kind of talked about, I think maybe that he got in trouble for drugs or something. Oh, but, Michael Phelps. Yeah, Michael okay. Phelps. He was doing cupping, something called cupping, mm-hmm. where they put these the cups suction cups over your skin. Yeah. Okay. Suction cups. That's based on Taoism, too. Man, you know, that's that's popular now because women are trying to, you know, get tight and right. Yeah. Keep it, you know, Christian related for the audience. But I, you know, I didn't know that. I yeah. Did not so know I, that. I did a post on cupping when I found out, you know, I saw an article or someone sent me an article about Michael Phelps doing it. And it was kind uh-huh. of, it created an interest in it. And so more people started doing it. Mm-hmm. So I did a, I did a Facebook post on it. So these things come in. Now, the other, the other area I really want to address is uh, broadly called energy healing. Mm-hmm. And this is based on energy concepts, the concept of some kind of energy that you can channel or manipulate in order to heal. Yeah. And um, the more obvious ones are things like Reiki, where the healer actually stands over you and holds hands over your body, sometimes touching, sometimes not. Um, another one is healing hands or touch for health mm-hmm. where they don't touch you and they hold their hands over certain parts of your body. And they are, they either believe they're channeling a universal healing energy into your body or that they're actually, um, causing your body to, um, receive healing energy or, um, they're balancing out the energy or some kind of concept with energy. Right. Um, or, and they also believe that they can draw out the negative energy that's making you sick and they will um, draw it out and then they'll, they'll do this. They'll, um, and I know people can't see me, it's audio, but you kind of take your hand like you're like you have water on your hand and you're shaking water off your hand. Yeah. And you do that. And that's like getting rid of the negative energy um, that's done in witchcraft healing. Oh yeah. So um this is energy healing and it's really based on, on sorcery. It's really a form mm. of sorcery because sorcery has to do with calling on spirits or energy uh, energies in order to manipulate and use them, including for healing. Yeah. I don't think people realize that healing is a real big part of the occult and the new age. It's a huge part of it. Uh, and, but now what I'm seeing in the church is people are taking these energy ideas and they're redefining them. So they either say the energy is the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. or they say the energy is like electrical energy. Uh, So they'll say, well, you know, it's electrical energy. We have electrical charges in our body and everything. But that that has nothing to do with that kind of healing. And there's no there's no basis for saying that electrical energy is going to heal you. So it's not that, you know, they, they can't prove they have no scientific basis for alleging that this energy is is scientific or is electrical or is actually an organic energy it's an energy from the occult so Mm -hmm. you're what you're doing when you do these kind of things is you are fooling around with demonic energy yeah oh yeah very dangerous yeah and you may actually feel better 
after mm -hmm. you you have go to one of these healers, you may feel better because of the placebo effect or, you know, coincidence or something. And then you'll think that that really helped you. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the long run, it's going to hurt you. Yeah. Spiritually, if not physically. Oh, yeah. So um, I'm always saying we are in a world created by God and God put in place certain laws that regulate nature, like the law of gravity. Okay? Mm -hmm. People who build airplanes use the law of gravity in order to build an airplane. <laughs> they have right. to understand oh, yeah. the law of gravity. Okay. So when you have something like an airplane, you can understand why it works because there are these laws and there was this testing done mm -hmm. and aerodynamics, you know, and all of that stuff. This is why the plane can fly. Okay. That is a physical real basis for something. You need to have that in healing as well. Now I understand the world of medicine is not as exact mm -hmm. and it's more complicated why? Because our bodies are so complicated. Right, right. I've made very complicated bodies. But he has given us enough knowledge and wisdom to discover things. We can discover how to make vaccines. And that's that was used to prevent polio and smallpox. Right. And you know, I had a smallpox vaccine when I was a baby or something. Mm -hmm. you know, I had a polio vaccine twice. Um because people were having dying and having horrible diseases from these things. Right. We don't go around worrying about getting smallpox or polio. Why? Because it was eradicated with a vaccine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's cures and remedies for many, many things now that there weren't a hundred years ago. Um, you know, I remember my grandmother saying that in her day when she was a young mother, it was, just the norm for a family to lose a child wow it was just it was common and she lost a child she oh, lost wow. one of her five children at age three mm. she said you know from pneumonia she said this was normal it was not a, i mean it's not that people liked it or accepted it mm. you know they're just as upset as they would be today right it was kind of just taken as oh well yes that happens um and that's because they didn't know as much then, and now they yeah. know more. And that's not a normal thing now. People do have children who die, but that's not normal. It's not this. It's not a common thing. So, um, we've advanced a lot, and this is ba this is because things are based on scientific method and scientific studies, and that is based on the discovery and understanding of God's laws that He put in place in creation and in our bodies. He also has it in our bodies. So our bodies react a certain way to certain things, to certain mm -hmm. substances. People discover that and they can discover what makes you sick and what might make you well. Right. And that's what it's all based on. Now, yes, there's uh, people vary. So, you know, I might take a pill that makes me feel good. It might make you sick because mm -hmm. you have some kind of reaction to it. But in general, most people who take that pill, if it's been approved, will be okay and will get better. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and then what people always come at me with is, oh, but, you know, all these doctors are corrupt and there's big pharma and everything. But that is a different issue because then you're dealing with greed or you're dealing with people that are just doing things for money that and or they're being unethical. Mm -hmm. So then you're dealing with an ethics question. 
not with a science question. Those are two separate categories. What I'm addressing is Christians need to care about the facts and they need to care about the fact that most medicine we have, it's based on, or or medicine that's not alternative is based on known scientific laws. Mm. Alternative is not. And and what's worse is it's based on spiritual beliefs that are opposed to, to God. Right. And I have an article on my website, ChristianAnswersForTheNewAge.org. Um, if you scroll down under topics, it's it's called energy. There it's listed as energy beliefs. Mm-hmm. And I discuss where we see all this energy healing in different things. And one of the big areas in the church, another area where this is, is homeopathy. And I, on a regular basis, will warn against homeopathy because for some reason, Christians are really into that. Tell us what that is. Homeopathy is based on the idea that it goes back to a man named Samuel Hahnemann in the 18th century. Um, And he believed that there was a healing energy in plants that could be applied. Mm -hmm. And he also believed that you could capture this. Um, And he also believed that if you had the symptoms of something like you had a sore throat, um, then giving you something that would make you have a sore throat would cure you. It's the idea of like cures like it's that's really from the occult. It's called sympathetic magic. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He thought that would could cure you. So he based his ideas on this energy thing. And then um, some of his, his remedies were actually making people sick or killing them. So because the substances were poisonous. Yeah. So he had to dilute it. So then the, the, the theory of dilution came into effect. And the, the original substance is diluted over and over and over again in water or liquid. And each time it's diluted, it's shaken. Mm-hmm. And the belief is that the water will have memory of it if you shake it. Oh, wow. So this is like putting a drop of orange juice in a swimming pool. Yeah. So you're getting almost nothing of the original substance. Right. Cases. And in fact, if you look at homeopathic remedies, they have an X on them. It might say 10X or 20X. That shows how many times it was diluted. Oh, not just 10 or 20. It's like it means 2000 or, or, or 200 or something. It's like more than that. That's just an indication. So. You're, you're getting basically nothing in the pill and you're paying some, a lot of times you're paying a lot of money for it. Sometimes it costs more than the regular medication. I remember once I went to the drugstore and I was looking for, um, I was either looking for eye drops or eardrops. I think I was looking for eardrops and I, I was, I saw this box and it had something on it that made it sound good. And I picked it up and I thought, oh, I hadn't heard of this brand before. And I turned it over and I saw the X thing. Mm-hmm. And if you look carefully, it'll say homeopathic remedy. And I oh, wow. was like four or five dollars more than the eye drops I ended up buying. Mm-hmm. But I went up to the pharmacist and I said, this is absolutely incredible that you have these homeopathic remedies right next to regular medicine. Mm-hmm. I said, people aren't going to know that they're homeopathic. And you know, and I said, you as a pharmacist, no, there's nothing in these, right? Well, I said, you know, these are nothing. And she kind of smiled. She didn't want to say anything. And I understand <laughs> she's employed, never, that, you know, that's her employer. She can't yeah. 
because then I could go around and say, oh, Martha up at the pharmacy said homeopathic remedies are bad news, you know, and she'd lose her job. But I could tell she agreed with me. And um, I said, I'm really appalled that the drugstore sells them like this. Yeah. So homeopathy is, is really based on occult beliefs in this energy and on this crazy belief that if you dilute something, it makes it stronger because that was the line that Hahnemann put out mm-hmm. going to make it stronger. And I have had a couple of people who used to do homeopathy come onto my uh, Facebook pages when I discuss it and say, yes, that's right. And they give me more information than what I know about it. Wow. So when you look into it, it is an Deep. absolute, it is, it is a huge deception. Mm-hmm. You know what it sounds it, when when as you were talking about it, it reminds me of uh, root workers. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like hoodoo. So where I'm from, yeah. you know, that was prevalent because yeah. Let's see, I'm from the southwest yeah. part of Virginia, yeah. small amount town, and so you know, I had yeah. family members that didn't know hoodoo. how to right, yeah. but they didn't know it as hoodoo. And yeah. like my my grandmother's oldest, one of her oldest or well, two of her oldest siblings, how it happened, like get rid of warts. Oh, right. The man had to pass it on to a woman. And so they have Native American ancestry where they got it from my great great grandfather. I think that's yeah, my great great grandfather. He was Native American. But um my grandmother's sister was known around town as a lady that got rid of warts, but there were all sorts of things. If a baby had thrush in the mouth, you would take a diaper and rub the diaper in the baby. You would take like, um, you know, when you wanted to take a baby off a bottle, you paid attention to the moon cycles, take a baby off of a pacifier. It was the moon cycle and and it worked. My mom, they did. My mom did it with all three of my, with me and my two brothers. She said it worked. She said my, my grandmother told her in church, well, it's a whatever moon, take them off the bottom and watch what happens. Damn. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. You know, it's like if yeah. you got sick or something, there yeah. was somebody in the holler. There was somebody in the neighborhood that knew how to get rid of it like that. Would They would go in that backyard or they would go up in the mountains get what they had to get and that's what it sounds like to me like with their homeopathic like yeah work. that's it's folk folk magic folk magic right and they call it mountain we, magic mountain medicine yeah, yeah yeah and that's a lot homeopathy is very much like that and the ideas in it are very much similar i mean they're based on this energy there was a um, philosophy in the 1800s called vitalism mm-hmm. and it was a belief that this vital force permeated everything and you could use that force for healing Mm. And it became part, it became very big in the new thought movement and the new thought movement used vitalism Mm. in their so-called healing, um, energy healing. And this was based on this vitalism and the new thought movement was very big on healing because the earliest new thought pioneers were quote unquote healers like Phineas Quimby and Anton Mesmer. Oh yeah, and so this vitalism became very big in the New Thought movement, and and permeated the culture as alternative healing, and has permeated the church. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I'm always saying we Christians should care about the facts. We should care about the truth. Amen. You know, if oh, yeah. we are saying Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then we have to care about the truth in all aspects of of our life. Not just not just religiously, but every everywhere. Truth matters yeah. everywhere. So, you know, 
you need to have the truth about healing methods. And if there are alternative, if they're alternative, they're not based on truth. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. You know, as, as I, I read in, uh, in Kurt or either Carl Cox book, uh, one of the book he was talking about, um, in the strife of tongues, he was talking about when you see televangelists talking about touch, take your hands and touch the screen. And I'm gonna pray for you through the screen. He said that comes from the occult. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff that people do in church, you know, touch a neighbor and we're going to connect to one another. And this healing is going to flow through our veins. Yeah. And a lot of that's coming from the occult. That's an occult idea. Really. It is. And I was shocked. I was like, you got to be joking me. It's like, <laughs> whoa, man. We, you know, I, I witnessed it myself. Sharks even did it myself before being like a Berean and reading the text and like, wait a minute, something's not adding up here. You know, yeah, and you know, another thing that's affected the um, Christian culture and the church are the new age concepts of holistic and natural. Mm. And those two concepts are very big. I've Christians argue with me about it, and they don't understand what holistic means. Holistic means mind, body, spirit, but yeah. it means spirit the way the new age sees it. And it means that if you're sick or you have something wrong with your body, you have to heal it at the spiritual level as well. And so a lot of the, a lot of the methods have to do with dealing with what they think of as the spirit, yeah. which is your spiritual self or spiritual body. And they think that you have, you know, it's your energy body. It's also called the subtle body. Mm. It's outside your body and inside your body. And so it's your, your, illness is a manifestation of something wrong there yeah and so this is what they mean by treating the whole person that's what they're talking about mind body spirit mm -hmm. and the other word is even more probably gotten even more problematic natural because christians have accepted the idea that natural is always better which is not true at all mm. it's actually a, it's actually known as a fallacy yeah and so natural a natural also has no real meaning in the world of food or medicine. It's mm -hmm. not, it has no meaning because there's no standard for it because what is natural define right. natural? Well, the ground has chemicals in it. Oh yeah. Apples, oh, yeah. apples have mercury in them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and a lot of plants have things have poison in them. <laughs> yeah. So, oh yeah. You know, and natural just doesn't really mean anything. And people say, oh, well, versus synthetic, but synthetic things have been shown to, to be as effective as or more effective than quote unquote natural. Right. So, you know, but I, there is a huge thing in the church about natural and I only want to use herbs and then they'll go to the Bible where God says, I gave you the, the plants and the trees for herbs. Right, right. This was, Every green herb. Mm -hmm. This was said before the fall. Mm -hmm. the fall corrupted nature the fall oh, yeah. corrupted creation yep and romans 8 tells us creation is groaning waiting for redemption it groans. so you know it's the, the nature is corrupt i mean that's why we have tornadoes and floods and lightning yeah. strikes trees this is all right part every, of the fall right and every time um i um i was reading um i had a public theology class I had to do a report my final project was on uh gluttony food gluttony and i was looking at a lot of medical doctors it was like well you know you know pre-flood 
the soil sediment deposit had a lot of, you know, minerals. It, you know, the reason why they were living so old, but every time we have a flood, the soil changes, sediment uh, deposit, minerals, oh. all sorts of stuff. That's interesting. Yeah, it was, you know, and so um, that's just going along with what you say about creation in Romans 8, you know, the already, but not yet, you know, it, it groans and all that. Every time it storms and floods, a lot of stuff is shifting, you know, and so somebody's land that's polluted like 10 miles down the road and it floods and washes into your land. It's not really polluted. Next thing you know, you just got bad. It's hard to get away from it is from that corrupting influence. It's hard to right. uh, even organic. They say they, you know, they found no benefit in eating organic over non-organic. Yeah. Um, and so but there's this big market out there that's pushing this concept of natural and it comes originally from the new age. I'm very familiar with it. Mm. And it's another way of thinking. And I am trying to educate Christians on this, that you've got to stop seeing natural as a magic word. That means everything is better. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that. So, Mm. Hey, you know, we've been talking for right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was getting ready to ask you, how are you, how are you, are you good? Or we need to do a part three. Let me know. I think we need to do a part three. Yeah, we good. That's, this is good. <laughs> no, I, no, we're good. Cause I was going to say, let's, let's shoot for part three. Um, y'all enjoy this one. Uh, cause Marsha is, she has to come back and talk about that Enneagram. <laughs> I want to get in some more trouble. So we want to, we want to talk about that Enneagram, but Marsha, any, any closing words? Um, I know, I guess just, you know, repeating what I said, that we should care for facts as Christians, that, you know, we need to recognize that that these ideas that are false get into the church, that mm. people do it out of good intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, they think they're helping you with this information or they think the information is good. Um, a lot of Christians sell these kind of products. And so they think this is another thing I, I like I would like to say, just because a Christian sells it or a Christian practices it, you know, because they're Christian home homeopaths. Right. Just because they're a Christian, that doesn't mean that what they're doing is okay. Amen. That's right. Oh, this is how a lot of people get in trouble. Well, yeah. she's a Christian. She goes to my church. So, you know, that's why I went to her. Well, yeah. I'm sorry, but she is deceived. Right. So, you know, this, you've got to check things out for yourself. And yeah. You can't just go that it's so go by it's being okay because it's from a christian so exactly yeah. exactly especially when you got today christian witch conventions which is you know oh well yeah they're not really christians right they're, they're you know. um, yeah they they're they're <laughs> have incorporated christ into their pantheon of gods and which they believe ridiculous. in his, they believe in his ethics so mm-hmm. there were christian wiccans back uh number like not real long ago but i noticed them coming on the scene like in at least 10 or 15, no, 15 years ago, I would say. Yeah. Let me answer this one question and we go, who was the yogi that was with the Beatles? Didn't they have a yogi? Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. There we go. Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. And he came to Iowa. He started his own city there. It's still there called Vedic City. Go on here. He has his own university, Vedic University, that does the studies to prove that, you know, uh, transcendental meditation is really yeah. bring peace to the world, etc. So mm. uh, he died a few years ago. He lived to be about ninety or ninety-two or something. He died. Oh, wow. He died like maybe 
and I think I'm thinking maybe 2017, but it might have been a little earlier than that. Um, but he, yes, the Beatles uh, found him. I think George Harrison was the most influenced by him. Um, I don't think John was that. I think John kind of always was an atheist. Um, I think George and um, I don't know about the other two, but George Harrison was very influenced by that and by the whole higher Krishna thing. I think he left mm. money to hire Krishna. So he got very deeply influenced by Eastern uh, spirituality. Okay. All right. Well, I'm not going to hold you any longer. I'm done. <laughs> too, many, too many questions, but uh, we, we you want to come back for part three? Cause I love it. Yes. We need to give a, a, we need to give a good space and time. Good. That because good. Sweet. We, we can't squeeze that in. Yes, ma'am. I got you. No, I got you. Trust me because I got to preach Sunday. Oh, it's my second Sunday. So I got to preach. Um, it's a different, I told you about him, uh, Buck, O.L. Buckley. So, okay. um, I may bring him on cause he's, uh, he deals with where his church is situated at in the Bronx. He's surrounded by Santeria, Ifa, which are indigenous oh, practice, oh, right? Oh, steeped in Vudan and voodoo. So that would be an interesting program. I'd like to. Oh yeah. That. I think I'm, I'm, I want to get him on and, um, I'm working on another guy who deals with the, um, he's actually an exorcist. Matter of fact, we had him on before to how to counsel people, how to pastor people out of the occult hmm. because they deal with it in their context. Okay. So I'll have an urban context this is what I'm thinking about urban context. And then a suburban context, because this thing is broad, you know, it's just not concentrated into, you know, one area of the world or one area of your state or your right, city right. or your County, whatever you live right. in your parish, you know, but you know, just give a broad percent. But anyways, uh, Marshall, appreciate you as always. Okay. Love, 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 love your dispensation. <laughs> Thank you. Love you so much. But appreciate it. Thank God for you and praying for you. And um, thanks. You know, audience, we uh, um, want you all to keep us in prayer as we deal with this subject, because um, the enemy is upset. But hey, God gets glory all the time. Thank God for His Son Jesus Christ. Amen. What he did on Calvary's cross for the remission of sins. He shed his blood for us. And the writer of Hebrews in chapter one, I love that, said he sat down. Yes. Right hand of God. I love that, too. That's my favorite part. Hebrews is Hebrews and Matthew are my two favorite books in the New Testament. I'm going through I'm going through Hebrews now. Oh, I've um, been through it three times. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I just a study verse for verse study. And I just, I just love that book. I love it. And I just, it really is uplifting. It's it so is. Uplifting. And it's a, you know, I was reading, um, I don't have my glasses, so I cannot literally see a couple feet away from my, um, library. I forget the guy I have, uh, can't remember if it's, it's not, it might be Garland. I can't remember, but, um, one of the commentaries that I have, uh, this is a sermon Hebrews. So what he was saying oh. is like, this is a long sermon because they wanted to, because of honor and shame culture with the Hebrews, they wanted to go back. They weren't getting any money from the patron. They was like the minority of the minority because of Christian, but you know, that Hebrews chapter two and one, that warning of drifting away, that thing will preach. Oh man. Yeah. I'm saying, I told, I told a friend of mine, I said, Hey, 
I said, man, Hebrews will preach to just about any crowd today. Yeah. I think the book of Hebrews can preach to any crowd today. Yeah, it's about going on to spiritual maturity. Right. And I think Warren Worsby said, if you don't move forward as a Christian, you're going to fall back. Yes, you will. You will. You definitely will. Back. I think it's... Uh, you can't. In other words, you can't stand still. You either no. have to move forward or you're going to fall back. <laughs> right. Because he says, he says, shall we say, he said we should be, and I'm paraphrasing, I think it's either uh, six or seven, chapter six, seven, uh, but the pastor or the author of Hebrews is saying, should we just stay in the elementary teachings? Right. right. Or shall we move on? You know, we should have right. been moved on, but yeah. anywho, um, Marcia, thank you so much. Uh, we'll yeah. be back for part three. Okay. Uh, y'all enjoy this episode. And um, if you don't want to listen to the Enneagram, because we touched the nerve tonight. You know, so <laughs> yeah, the Enneagram will be very... <laughs> people who don't really know about it are going to be shocked. Very shocked by some of what what is revealed. Hey, well, it's, it, like I told you, I said, it's like the horse pill. It, it, it it's a pain going down, but, uh, you know, when it gets in you, it'll do you some good. Yeah. Right. So, exactly. Oh yeah. Well, we thank God for y'all. And, uh, this is another episode from truth be told Jose four, six podcast. God bless you. God keep you may heaven smile upon you. Peace. Mm-hmm.